This week on Grape Encounters Radio. The mellowness of this wine, you open this wine up, you pour it in the glass, and all you want to do is duct tape your nose to the glass so you can smell it all day long. I mean, it's it's just... I'm, I'm, <laughs> That's I'm, a beautiful way to say it. I'm yes, serious. It's a gorgeous Rioja Alta uh, Grand Reserva. Ah. And now, transmitting our signal to wine lovers of the world, we bring you Grape Encounters with David Wilson. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow All right, and it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And I got to tell you what, I love this time of year because it's the time of year when we not only get to talk about wine, but we also get to talk about movies. Two things that I think go together better than just about any other two things on the planet. However, when it comes to this year's movies, my absolute favorite is a movie that doesn't take place on this planet at all. It's the movie Martian. And what does that have to do with wine? Well, I'll tell you in just a second, but I want to give you a little bit of a preview about what else is going to be on the show before we dig into the movie Martian and its connection to Grape Encounters. On the show today, we're going to have Sarah Schneider, the esteemed wine editor of Sunset Magazine, in the studio. And I'm going to share with her a wine that doesn't relate to movies, but does relate to romance novels. Now, you got to keep this quiet because I have her in a soundproof booth right now because we're going to put her to a little test. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this. Also, on the second half of our show today, we have author Amy Fabiano. She's the author of The Wine Region of Rioja, among many other things. She holds a lot of titles. She's probably one of the top 10 leading experts on on the wines of Rioja, Spain. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking a lot more about the wines of Spain because it's about time that we give those wines a little bit of love. They are so incredibly inexpensive and at the same time, so remarkably delicious. And I love to steer you into great values in wine. And if you're not focusing your attention on Spain, then you're really missing out because the wines are just that good. I've had a chance to taste a number of the wines that actually Anna sent to me, and I will tell you firsthand, they were absolutely delicious. I drank them without knowing what the prices were, and then after tasting the wines, looked up the prices, and oh my gosh, I was absolutely stunned. You will be too. And as I said, Anna will be joining us in the second half of the show, so stay tuned for that. But now let's go back to Hollywood and wine. Not Hollywood and vine, Hollywood and wine. And every year we like to have on experts in both the area of movies and wine come on the show and talk to us about what wines we would pair with the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture. And sometimes we do Best Actor and Best Actress as well. We're going to be doing that on next week's show, not on this week's show. But I did want to reflect a little bit on the Academy Award nominations and talk about my favorite movie. Now, admittedly, I have not seen all of the nominated films just yet. I plan on doing that before next week's show. So we'll talk more about those films. But there was one film that really captured my imagination. It was the film The Martian starring Matt Damon. And I will tell you, there are very few, very few films that I have seen that I have enjoyed as much as Matt Damon and the incredible American, well, not just American, but the incredible can-do spirit of that film. 
Ridley Scott's The Martian is MacGyvering at its best. Well, actually, not at its very best, though, and I'll tell you why. I watched the movie, which is a very, very long movie, which means that if you're watching it at home, as I did, and heaven knows why it's already on DirecTV, but it is, and if you haven't caught it, go ahead and watch it. But since I was watching it at home, I could drink just as much wine as I wanted to, and with the movie being the length that it was, I was able to actually get into a bottle and a half of wine. And yeah, you guessed it. It was Spanish wine. But anyway, the gist of the movie, and I hope I'm not spoiling it for anybody, is that Matt Damon gets left behind by a team of astronauts who think he's dead. Anyway, he's stuck on Mars, and he's got to figure out how to survive long enough for NASA to come back and get him. And all of the odds are against him until he figures out how he's going to grow potatoes on Mars using Martian soil and I guess we can just call it his own <laughs> his own homemade fertilizer. And anyway, he figures out how to make potatoes, and that's what he survives on. Though I couldn't figure out why he was always eating what appeared to be either baked or mashed potatoes, and uh, I never saw him with hash browns, which is absolutely the very best way that you can eat a potato, but I digress. The one thing that I was thinking the whole time I was watching this guy on Mars is the fact that, hey, if I was stuck on Mars, I absolutely positively wouldn't just be growing potatoes and eating potatoes. There's something else that you can do with potatoes that probably most of you have never even thought of. And what you can do with the glorious spud is you can make a pretty decent wine. Yes, absolutely. You can make potato wine. Now, I would make potato wine. I wouldn't try to distill it into vodka because uh, wine will stretch a whole lot farther. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of recipes for potato wine online. I don't think Matt had access to the internet, but he was a botanist after all and certainly could have figured it out. Most of those recipes call for the addition of yeast, and that is a bit of a problem because I'd find it very hard to believe that NASA would actually send yeast up with the space travelers. However, uh, there is natural yeast in the air, even in an environment like a space station on the surface of Mars. Uh, you know, just think about maybe those socks that you've been wearing for several weeks without washing them. Lots of good yeast in there. So I think Matt could, as I said, figure it out. Sugar is necessary, but I can't imagine that the astronauts would be sent to Mars without sugar. You know, which leads me to wonder whether or not they still send tang up with the astronauts. And if they do, I wonder if you could ferment that. Okay. Anyway, we're getting off subject. You know, the fact of the matter is that you can make wine out of just about anything that grows. And if you have not yet tried your hand at making wine, 2016 might be a good year to give it a try. In fact, it's a lot easier to experiment with things out of the produce and vegetable department of your local grocery store than to try to get your hands on some decent grapes to ferment into your own homemade wine. And besides, you can't get those grapes until much later on in the year. And in the meantime, you could be practicing the basic skills of winemaking. It kind of comes down to this. If the fruit or vegetables have a lot of juice, and I mean the kind of juice that you would get out of grapes, then you don't have to add any water and you probably won't have to add as much sugar. But if the vegetables or fruit do not have a lot of juice, then what you'll need to do is add both sugar and water to it and that will get the job done for you. Yeast is always necessary and probably the best way to make sure that you don't screw up your wine 
You can just grab a packet of Fleshman's yeast if it's available in your area or any other kind of cooking yeast and put it in there and that will get the fermentation going. Uh, the other basics you can probably find online, but suffice to say that you will want to keep it in an open container for a short period of time until the fermentation begins. And then you want to get some kind of an airlock on the bottle so you don't have a bunch of nasty stuff getting into your wine. Some people actually just take one of those five-gallon water bottles and they put their would-be wine in the bottle and you can even actually put a balloon over the top of the bottle. And as the gases expand in the bottle, that's the CO2, the balloon will go up and down. Anyway, those are the basics. Just thought you might like to know. Anyway, all I'm saying is this. If I had to spend what could be the rest of my life on Mars with no human companionship and only old disco songs to listen to, I would definitely find a way to make some wine because that's the one thing I would have a lot of trouble living without. And so I would be the astronaut who out MacGyvers Matt Damon. So there. Anyway, next week is going to be the week that we are going to talk about pairing wine with the Academy Award nominated best pictures and also going to try to do the best actor and best actress category as well. So you have that to look forward to. And in the meantime, if you have any ideas about wines that you would pair with any given Academy Award nominee, please submit them to us on our Facebook page. Go to Grape Encounters Radio on Facebook and make sure it's Grape Encounters Radio because there's some other Grape Encounters sites that we have, including a site for our wine bar. But go to Grape Encounters Radio on Facebook. You can just search for that and submit to us your suggestion of wines that you would pair with the Academy Award nominated Best Pictures. And while you're at it, if you want to make some suggestions about wines that you would pair with the nominees for Best Actor and Best Actress, you can do that as well. And by the way, in the coming days, we're going to repeat this very same exercise with the candidates on both the Republican and Democrat side. This ought to be a lot of fun. We will choose some wines that we would pair with each nominee. So stay tuned to Grape Encounters for that as well. In the meantime, we are going to uh, invite Sarah Schneider into the studio. She's on her way right now. I have got to quickly disguise this bottle of wine. Yikes, I do not have something to cover the wine with. Okay, I'm going to have to scramble. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters in just a moment, but we're going to end this segment on something of a sad note. We lost two amazing musicians in the past week or so. One of them provided a great deal of the music for the movie Martian, David Bowie, but then the tragic news also of the loss of Glenn Fry. And we're going to take it out with a piece of music from the Eagles, all I can say is this, Glenn Fry, you gave us all a lot of reasons to open up numerous bottles of wine. So we're going to call out the captain to bring us something special to toast both you and David Bowie. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. 
The Coravin is a game changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at GrapeEncounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of Two Horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. She's earthy, honest, and sipping each week as a service to you. From Sunset Magazine, it's Sarah Schneider, and this is Sipping with Sarah on Grape Encounters Radio. You might think I'm creepy, then suddenly get weepy. Girl, you ought to know the reason why. I'm a romance novel guy. Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and now time for Sipping with Sarah. And Sarah Schneider here, the wine editor from Sunset Magazine. And Sarah, you got a glass of wine in front of you. I do, David. It's good to be here, for one thing. We're going to do the wine guessing thing again. We haven't done that for... It's been, I think, actually three or four months since I have put you through this (laughs) miserable exercise. (laughs) It's it's cruel. It's downright cruel. I got to set this one up for you, because this one goes back to a show that we did a number of months ago, not you and I, but I did with another guest. And I don't think you'll be able to guess what the show is. So I had promised that when I got my hands on their wines, I would bring them here because I thought that they might be fun. This is a very interesting concept where this wine is concerned. So I'm just going to simply tell you that this isn't an expensive wine. Okay. Okay. It doesn't profess to be an expensive wine. Okay. It's a very approachable wine from a financial standpoint. And just as an aside, you know that in my job, I taste a ton of what what were you talking about? Approachable wine. You're you're not about trying to convince the American public that they should be drinking $200 wine. Well, it's not hard to find a good $200 wine. No. Um, It's easy enough. It's it's harder to find a $20 wine. What do you think the sweet spot is? It's different for reds and whites for sure. Definitely. terms yeah, of the yeah. price. But I do think that if you're looking for $10 wine, you're going to go through a lot of bad wine to find a good one. And in the end, you might as 
well have bought a $100 bottle of wine because (laughs) you're going to spend that much. Let's just say you have to kiss a lot of frogs. Exactly. So what do you think the sweet spot is? If you want something that actually has some varietal character, that it it tastes like a Cabernet or it, it can be distinguished as a Merlot, you're already talking about a little bit of a higher price point because they're better grapes and they've been treated well. But I think it's actually a grape by grape situation and a region by region situation. I think that in Napa. Are you overcomplicating this then? Oh yeah, that's okay, that's right. so, so we so, because then we can talk about it. All right, we've got to come up with something that is accessible for everybody. You know, no matter what part of the country you're in. What are we talking about? If you're going after a red wine and you're going after Cabernet, let's do Cabernet, okay? Because okay? that's the hardest one, actually. Yeah, you have to at least be over twenty five dollars to get something that comes across as a crafted Cabernet. And I would have said thirty five dollars. Okay, in my mind. I was pushing up to 40 for not risking. You can get a solid Cabernet for $40. Yeah, $40 is going to be really safe. And some people are listening and going, $40? Right. That's a yeah. lot of money. All right. Taste this wine in front of you then. Okay. Because okay. I'm, just, I'm telling you up front, it's not expensive. All right. But it's not cheap either. This is in your sweet spot right here. All right. She's okay. sniffing. Got the sniff okay. done. Um, stuck my nose in it. It's earthy. It's got a hit of pepper, which is nice. Okay. She sniffs Smoky. again. Smoky. Okay. She hasn't even tasted it yet. Oh, she's about to now. This is radio. You know, we got to get going here. <laughs> oh, it's got a hit of fruit that I didn't expect you from didn't. the nose. That cherry berry cassis, sort of juicy, comes through. But there's a structure there, too. You've got solid tannins. The spice still comes through. Um, so not a badly made wine. Not a badly made wine at all. Very you're, interesting. You're going to reveal uh, do, here. Do you want me to do the reveal? Yep. Or, or do you want to say anything more about it? No, I'm, I'm, it ready to, I'm ready to know. What do you think that it is? I'm going to show you something. This is going to blow you away. Okay. All right. This is a wine that has a very, very specific purpose. And do you think this wine is geared toward men, women, or both? Oh, that's How's a that question. Tough wow. Question, huh? Just boom. Because Yeah, because this is a wine that is, there's some serious merchandising behind this wine. And the reason I didn't want you to see the label of the wine is because when you see the label, you're going to just be floored. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think it's geared towards women. All right. The reveal. Oh, by the way, tell everybody what that <laughs> <laughs> we have. We have serious equipment in this studio. <laughs> I always forget to bring the little jute bags to hide the, the wine in. Or, and so I grabbed a, the, the, <laughs> we, the Christmas decorations have been taken down and I grabbed a Santa hat and I've got the wine in an old Santa hat. And here comes the reveal. Ready? Ta-da! Oh, I nailed that one. Did I not? Did you not? Have you seen this yet? I haven't. Okay. So this is wine that is being marketed under the Harlequin name, the Harlequin Romance People. And this is a wine that is really geared toward women and is available only through Amazon.com. Interesting. This one is called Wild at Heart. Yes. And guess who makes the wine? Vintage Wine Estates. (laughs) I know that. Serious winemaking there. No, they are serious. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like, I want to say this is a mid-20s price for this wine. Is it that high? If that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's a California appellation, meaning that they've blended grapes probably from all over the state, which isn't a bad thing. Right. But I think this wine is fun through and through. So yeah, I just want to read what's on the label here. On the front label, it says wild at heart. 
And then there's an actual, these are actual Harlequin romance covers, the artwork. (laughs) And you see a woman from the 40s or 50s, maybe, and she's in a fairly short red dress. And there are people tango dancing in the background, and she seems to be running off or something. And then it says on the back, the minute I laid eyes on this red-blooded beauty, I knew I had to have her. Isn't that clever? (laughs) And here's what they write. They say, beneath that luscious, full-bodied exterior was a mystery of many layers. She was warm and soft, bold and exotic, and my passion grew with each encounter. Even now, when I close my eyes, I can still taste her ripe berry kisses. What do you think of that? I I can't listen to it with a straight face. I know, but don't you love Now taste the wine. It's going to taste even better after you've had that whole experience. What do you think of this idea of marketing wine this way? Okay, I am on the fence. I have such mixed reactions to this wine. First, it's a good wine. You can sit and sip it. It's a mystery blend, red wine blend, it's called. But that's the fastest growing category of wine out there. So they're, they're in good marketing territory to do this. So here's my honest opinion about labels that are geared specifically toward women or the opposite, toward men. There happen to be more toward women because they buy more wine than men. But I always think it's a little bit sexist to do that because women don't need that sort of you know, lifestyle play to learn about wine and be attracted to it and buy it. But this one, I have to say, I think is the least offensive of any that I have actually seen. I mean, there are those that have actually actually offensive. Okay. Anybody that knows me knows that I hate it when, okay. when we put something on a wine bottle that doesn't live up to the wine experience. But I'm going to say this about this one. The wine lives up to the label. Yeah. The sort of fun, fanciful way that they have positioned this wine is exactly what the wine is. The wine is a fun, fanciful I wine. I would agree with you there. This is yeah. a party wine. Yeah. This one delivers. It delivers Uh what it promises. And I get so sick and tired of a wine not having anything to do with what the label wants us to believe the wine is about. Right. Okay. So Harlequin, you get five stars from me (laughs) because the wine is reasonably priced. The bottle is loads of fun and it does not mislead me to think I'm going to get something that I didn't the wine. And that's why I let you taste the wine first. Sure. Without seeing it. Yeah. I think it makes the grade, but it's a rarity. Agreed. Agreed. All right, so uh, that was fun, huh? That was good. I've got Bring more it on. of them I'm going to show you later on. Okay. But, uh, that's going to do it for Sipping with Sarah for now. And uh, Sarah will be back here next week. And we will be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at GrapeEncounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Coravin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at GrapeEncounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero. 
the gateway to good times at visitatascadero.com. Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street, the historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounters host, David Wilson. Drinking my Spanish wine. All right, we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I don't know if you remember me talking about it earlier last year, but I took a whirlwind trip through Europe with a group of our listeners, and one of the stops was Barcelona. And I will tell you, anytime I visit any of the cities in Spain, Madrid, Barcelona, or parts lesser known, I always say to myself, this is where I want to spend the tail end of my life. It's where I want to end up sometime in my life. So I am so happy today to finally get a chance to talk a bit about another region in Spain. It's the wine region of Rioja, something we've never talked about on the show before. And I'm so glad to have on the line today somebody who's got to be one of the world's leading experts on the subject. It's Ana Fabiano, who's currently the U.S. Trade Director for the Wines from Rioja and the Brand Ambassador for the DOCA of Rioja. And she'll explain what that means in just a second. She was the first American hired by the Embassy of Spain's commercial office and became one of the three founders of Wines from Spain, among other things. She's got an awesome book that came out a couple of years ago. And if you want a crash course in Rioja and you also want to be tempted by the beautiful scenery and all the other things that you can do there, then you should pick up a copy of The Wine Region of Rioja by Ana Fabiano. And Ana, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to be here, Dave. Hi. I I could spend uh, an hour just talking about your resume. Goodness gracious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty saturated in Spain and saturated in Rioja, but it's been a a beautiful, wonderful journey, almost um, really mirrors what, what you just said about your experience in Spain. It's a, it's a magical place. You know what actually just moved me and my wife so much is that when you get to Spain, it seems like everywhere you look, there's something that's a work of art. I mean, Barcelona, of course, is not Rioja, but at the same time, you go down the streets of Barcelona and you realize the passion for art and music and all things cultural in Spain. It's just amazing. In fact, there are not enough superlatives out there to talk about that. But one of the things that also just stuns me about Spain is how they can make so many remarkable wines and then sell them at a price that seems almost ridiculously low to me. Is that, in fact, your experience? Do you find that ounce for ounce that Spanish wines are maybe one of the best values on the planet? I, I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. And I would also agree that it's 
Barcelona has often been called a city that's candy for the eyes. And the the beauty that you said, I think, in Rioja very much lives in the landscape. Um, it's it's a place of um, tremendous beauty and uh, very gifted in, in natural resources and, and winemaking that has ancient roots to it, which I think in part contributes to that element of the wines being at very, very accessible prices. The wine culture is, is part of the people's history and their lifelines. And when it comes from that perspective, uh, it's treated not as a commodity, but in a different way. And I do believe that that contributes to the the accessibility of the wines in quality, palate, and price. Uh, so, Anna, let's put things in perspective for a moment. Uh, many people who have been to the big cities in Spain. Give us a little geography lesson for a second. Uh, Rioja is in, in the northern part of the country, but what is the distance uh, between Rioja and Madrid, Rioja, and Barcelona? Yeah, um, Rioja is located about three and a half hours north of Madrid. Uh, it's about a three and a half hour car ride or beautiful train ride as well. And the other major city that it's near is Bilbao, which is the home of the Guggenheim Museum and an hour and 15 minutes from Rioja. So it's accessible from many different points. From Barcelona, it's a much longer trek to get there. It certainly couldn't be a day trip. But from Madrid, if you were ambitious, you could do it in one day or you could do an overnight or a weekend trip for sure. It looks a lot shorter on the map <laughs> to me. But... <laughs> All right. Well, Spain is a very large country, a very beautiful yes, large peninsula. What, what caused your infatuation with Rioja? Well, with Rioja, um, my first entry point was really to Spain as a student there during the transition to democracy, which was a very invigorating, extraordinary time. And, and with Rioja at that period in history, there were really three major wine regions on the map. And one of them, of course, was Rioja. Today, we account for almost 35% of all Spanish table wine that's exported to the United States. So Rioja has a long tradition and history of not a few ancient vines or superstar winemakers, but you know, everything that defines a great wine region. And let's talk varietals for a second, because you certainly grow some of my favorite varietals, Tempranillo mm-hmm. being one of the most uh, well-known probably here in the States. Uh, but let's go through the various wines that are grown there. And also, you know, they break out in pretty interesting percentages as well, because Tempranillo seems to be the really dominant varietal in Rioja, with Rioja blends being being second, I think, in line, a lot of blending going on. Yes. Rioja is a region that there are seven indigenous grape varieties, and by law, winemakers must use those indigenous grape varieties. And it's something that I support and I agree with because it really gives a sense of place for the wine. If we think of that box of chocolates that you open up and you get to try all these different things from different places, it's really what the exploratory process is with wine, too. Um, I might like this varietal better or this one, or it's something that brings you back to the glass. And I think it also gives you a sense of place often. If you taste a wine that you can identify with a grape variety and other typical aspects of terroir of the place that defines it, its climate, its soil, history, its culture, then that also has a lot to do with the wine. So our our principal grape variety right now, yes, it is Tempranillo. And Tempranillo accounts for over 90% of our, our current um, vineyard distribution. Wow. So for that reason, um, it, it's, you know, our star grape variety right now. There was a time in history when there was more Grenache. We call it Garnacha planted right. in Rioja. But today it, it composes most of our, our vineyards. And, and we believe what Pinot Noir is to Burgundy, for example, Tempranillo is to Rioja. It's not the biggest, boldest expression 
of Tempranillo, but certainly the finest. And we can talk about that a little bit more after we, you know, taste through some of the wines. So what happened to Grenache? Because it's interesting, here in the States, we're starting to see this flood of GSMs, Grenache Syrah Mouved. And uh, I think people are discovering more Grenache by way of that blend, which has become super popular here. Is it possible that that popularity in a place like the States would stimulate more planting of Grenache and making Grenache-based wines in Spain? Well, Grenache is, is really cultivated throughout a lot of other regions. In Spain. Right. But in Rioja, the movement to really, I guess, you oh. know, believe in Tempranillo has a lot to do with how Tempranillo has been cultivated there. Tempranillo is an early ripening grape variety. There's warm, sunny days and cool nights. And it's also one of the, the most diverse grape varieties that there is. You can make wines that are for immediate or short-term cellaring and wines that for long-term cellaring, wines that are for collections. So it's a great variety that really mirrors the region in that there's tremendous diversity that exists in Rioja. Spain is by and large a very large, dry, arid country. And Rioja is almost like this little diamond in the rough in the northern region. And it's a place that has 36% of all the biodiversity. And virtually you can drive 15 minutes and it looks like you're traveling from the northeast New England and Maine into what would be comparable landscape of the Grand Canyon. It's really, it's really quite unbelievable. I can't even imagine that. And it is important to remember that. We're just talking Rioja here now. There are lots of other regions or lots of other wines from Spain to talk about. And we're going to get into that in the coming weeks. But today it's all about Rioja. We are talking to Ana Fabiano. She is the author of the book, The Wine Region of Rioja. It is not just a great read. It is a great book to just look at the pictures. I'm one of those people that uh, does look at the pictures, Anna. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Dave. I appreciate that because these are all born and bred award photographers, born in the land and have lived there and are very, very proud of their place. They will certainly want to know that too. And we'll have a link to where you can find the book on the Grape Encounters website. I got some of the wine sitting right in front of me, Anna. I have to tell you, we were going to taste it on the air. I totally cheated last night. And the reason was there were a number of winemakers from our area in the wine bar, and I thought, hey, you know what? I, I don't want to just give my opinion. I'm going to spread the love a little bit, and I did. I Tell- think that's fantastic. So let's yeah. talk about the wines that were sent to us, and I can give you some of the reactions on some of these wines as well. Yeah, I'd love to get feedback, Dave. You know, I, I travel around the country, and I work with my trade team and consumers, and Rioja's uh, a component of my life and my being, and I I have to say that I often have everyone say, I love Rioja. (laughs) Well, I think by the second bottle, there was one person there. Her name is Lisa Pretty, and she is a cookbook author specializing in pairing wines and food from different regions. And immediately after tasting the wines, she and a friend of hers, who is also a winemaker, a great winemaker, by the way, uh, said, Mm. when are we going to Spain? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. Okay, let's go to Spain, at least on the radio. And maybe we could talk from least pricey to most pricey, because when I tell you how much most pricey is, you're going to say, oh, that's not pricey. And yet these these wines are just delicious. We'll continue our discussion of the wines of Rioja with... Ana Fabiano, who probably knows more about Rioja than a hundred wine enthusiasts all put together. We'll return with more Grape Encounters and Ana in just a moment. 
You're listening to Grape Encounters Radio, where we tell you things your parents never taught you about wine. But don't blame them. Grape Encounters wasn't around in those days. Want to know David's very favorite products for wine lovers? You can see them at GrapeEncounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com is where you'll find a hand-picked selection of products and accessories for wine enthusiasts that you aren't likely to find most other places. The selection of must-have wine-related products is awesome. So are the low prices. We have the all-new Corbin plus accessories, gifts, wine games, collectibles, and so much more at GrapeEncounters.com. You'll love the unique wine products waiting for you at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com. If you work in the wine industry or are a wine lover that spends more than $25 a bottle, you should not be without the all-new Coravin Model 2 Wine Access System. The Coravin is a game changer, allowing you to extract as little or as much wine from the bottle without removing the foil or the cork. As wine is poured from the bottle, inert argon replaces it, keeping the remaining wine inside absolutely pristine. That means you can drink the remaining wine in a week, month, or a year from now without any chance of oxidation or spoilage. The Coravin is the brainchild of a medical devices inventor who was tired of seeing delicious wine go bad because it wasn't consumed in one sitting. Today, it's the most important tool any wine enthusiast can own. The new Coravin Model 2 is available online at GrapeEncounters.com. Or if you're on California's Central Coast, you can see a demonstration or pick yours up at the Grape Encounters Emporium in Atascadero. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. Money may not buy happiness, but it will buy you some very good wine. And if that doesn't make you happy, you need to be listening to a self-help show, not Grape Encounters Radio. Grape Encounters Radio continues. We're back with Grape Encounters Radio and talking to Ana Fabiano, who's currently the U.S. Trade Director for the Wines of Rioja, among many other things. She's the author of the book, The Wine Region of Rioja, an expert on these absolutely wonderful wines and the place they came from. So where do you want to start? Well, these wines are tremendously cuisine compatible. One of the threads that comes through in all of the Riojas is they're wines of tremendous harmony and balance. If you can think think of a symphony and when it sounds so beautiful, it's because all the different components of, of a symphony are, are together and in harmony. And that's really what happens with wines of Rioja. If you look at the, the fruit, the acid, the tannins, they all work really quite harmoniously together. And our wines will start out today with the Crianza, which is by um, the winery is Untanion. And one of the things that happens in Rioja is there's a governing body that's called the Rioja Regulatory Council, and they have an official back label on each bottle of Rioja. It's an anti-fraud seal. That was the first thing I noticed on the bottles, and I was so glad to see that. But, you know, you expect to see the anti-fraud stickers on much pricier wines, but are they putting them on all the bottles now? Yes, through the Rioja Regulatory 
the control board was founded in 1926, and the region really from a movement of solidarity within themselves throughout many centuries. It's a governing body that really supervises then the wines from viticulture through bottling with very stringent quality controls. And quite honestly, Dave, in capacity of an author who has stayed at truck stop hotels and driven around the region at all hours of the day and night with winemakers, I can say that this is quality control you can trust. And it's today with mislabeling of things such as fish and olive oil, quality control is important. And it's something that also seeps into the wine region. So the anti-fraud seal, each bottle is numbered. And if you were to write the Rioja Regulatory Control Board, they could track that bottle. Wow. And it also tells you often the aging level of the wine. And that's a point of departure for understanding Rioja if you want to start exploring Rioja wines. And what we have today is the first one that we would start tasting with that you just mentioned would be a Crianza. These are wines that are aged one year in oak and one year in bottle by law prior to release. And the Crianzas are great wines. They're wines that are in their third year and they have this wonderful fruit and balance and a little bit of depth to them. So they're, they're wines that can give you lots of pleasure and enjoyment beyond a lot of different wines at that price point. The first one is Rioja Ontañón. It's from Rioja Baja, and it's a real beauty. Uh, yes. I tasted it earlier today. I will say we loved everything that we tasted. This is just a, a real easy drinking wine and very pleasurable. I'm surprised with all these wines about the balance in these wines and how perfect the tannins are as well. The soft tannins are another consistent quality that you'll find. You know, you won't find these wines that are so big and overwhelming that you need a steak to get through them or the alcohol is so high. This this symphonic balance really comes through. What really took me aback, and and I think everybody else, uh, the Castillo La Bastida. The Castillo La Bastida is from Rioja Alavesa, which is one of our sub-zones. And this is a monovarial, which is that it's 100% Tempranillo. And it's in the Reserva category. And I found it to be quite beautiful. Often what we get is an element of blueberries from the Alavesa. And that was something that came came through to me when I tasted earlier. One, one of the things that we talked about with this wine is with the first taste of the wine, we found it almost a little too soft and laid back. And it concerned me for a moment. And then after a couple of swirls, I was really astounded how this wine opened up. It just blossomed in the glass. And I actually wasn't expecting that. And I was wondering if it would actually do that. And it did. And it was a real crowd pleaser. And I know in the future, probably to decay this wine as opposed to just opening and pouring. Yeah, you know, Rioja wines are customarily racked, so they don't have to be decanted, but definitely giving them time to open up, as you said, Dave, is absolutely sure. This is a Reserva, so it's aged one year in oak and two years in bottle before it's released from the winery, so it's had time where it needs to to open up. Right. So that absolutely for sure, and this is definitely Alavesa style. There's a little bit of herb in it and the blackberry, and it's Definitely a very accessible reserva, too. I asked some of the folks what they would pay for this wine without telling them what it really costs. I was getting prices in the $35 to $45 range. It's more like around $20, bucks, 19 bucks, And that's stunning. That, that makes this an incredible value and goes along with what I often say on Grape Encounters, which is this. If you can't afford that you know, $100 Napa cab, then you may want to go out of the country and try some wines from places like Spain or Argentina or Chile because 
there are values out there. And I'm only sorry that I don't mention the Spanish wines more because they are definitely going to go on my list of things that you must try if you want to drink great wines and not spend a fortune. I want to talk about this last wine because this one uh, just blew me out of the water. It's the the Baronia. Grand Reserva. Grand Reserva. And it's 2006. And I mean, this wine's got some serious age on it. it. This wine does not show its age at all. Not at all. Other than in the incredibly soft tannins and the mellowness of this wine, you open this wine up, you pour it in the glass, and all you want to do is duct tape your nose to the glass so you can smell it all day long. I mean, it's it's just... <laughs> That's I'm a beautiful way to say it. I'm yes, serious. It's, it's a gorgeous Rioja Alta uh, Gran Reserva. Uh, um, what came to me immediately, which is very typical of Tempranillo of Rioja, are violets. The violets came through, followed by some beautiful raspberries, and it was almost like a fresh, warm breeze of springtime coming through. And it's quite gorgeous, and the depth and complexity is coming from the Gran Reserva style. For, I mean, for me, 70 seconds was really coming through in the finish of this wine, and it's stunning. It is a stunning. There are not 10 wines that I have tasted in the last two years that are that price and of this quality. Not 10 wines. How do you like those apples Um, or those grapes, I should say? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure of that. So unfortunately, we have to call it quits for the moment. Can you give listeners an idea of where they can find more information about the wines of Rioja? Also tell us where to find the book. RiojaWine.com. That's a great starting point. And then there's several other sites. My book is available at Barnes & Noble, TheN.com, and also on Amazon.com. I think Rioja is an amazing region to to explore, whether they're young wines, rosé wines, white wines, and then, of course, red wines, which are our flagship. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Well, Anna, I really appreciate you being on the show so much. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters Radio. We'll see you next week. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.